This Week in Startups is brought to you by Squarespace. Check out squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code TWIST to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Uber. Read all about the ways Uber is moving forward by going to uber.com slash moving forward. And LinkedIn. LinkedIn has marketing tools to help you target your customers with precision. For a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit to launch your first campaign, go to linkedin.com slash thisweekinstartups. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of This Week in Startups. It's our news roundtable edition. Y'all love the news roundtable. When we go go through all the incredible news that's happening in technology from Tesla to the death of social to uh, Discord launching its Steam competitor to bike sharing and scooters oversupply in China and the Sanford scooters in San Francisco littering the streets. Tons of incredible stuff going on in the technology industry. And we're going to get to it all today with two amazing repeat guests. First up, longest running contributor to This weekend Startups. You know him as the gadget guy. Dave Matthews is with us again. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. You pay me so much, so it's easy to come back. It's easy. It's yeah. just such a large fee. Right. Uh, he's, getting, he's getting paid? The money keeps pouring. Well, we, yeah, we pay people when they get to their 30th episode. Okay. And, uh, that's, of course, Ryan Hoover, the founder of Product Hunt. And now the Weekend Fund. Mm-hmm. Ryan Hoover, of course, watched this program when he was in high school nine years ago. Yeah. His dream was to come to Silicon Valley and be on this program. Yeah. And now it. he's running in July. <laughs> and running his own fund. And how old are we now, Ryan? Well, how old is your age? I'm 31. I don't believe that for one minute. He's still 31. Has a baby looks face. like he's 19. Yeah. But okay. uh, you started Product Hunt how many years ago now? Almost five. Five yeah. years ago when you were 26. Yep. Yep. Started uh, off, and uh, it's been been fun. I'm learning a lot. Make a lot of mistakes, but. Got bought That's by life. AngelList. Mm-hmm. That was a year nice. and a half ago. Thanks. And then you started the Weekend Fund, mm-hmm. which your partner, the Weekend, the musician, and you invest in. Yeah, technology yeah, we're startups. real close. Real close. Uh, no, no, you're legitimately doing venture capital. You raised a fund through the AngelList pop-up VC platform for how much? Yeah, three million dollar fund. And you put that to work in what size checks? 50 to 100K checks right now. So I've invested in 17 companies, um, mostly early stage, some pre-launch, but yeah. Objectively, which one has had the largest markup for you as an investor? Not which one you like Mm -hmm. most, not which one has the most performance, but which one marking up the fund, because that's how you'll be judged, not on how cool it is, but on how it's increased in value. Which one has increased in value the most, objectively, or two? Yeah, right now, so there's one company that has raised around that's not announced that I can't mention right now. Ah, Um, Okay. So It'd be nice to debut it here on the show, though. Yeah. It would be. be, But that would get you really not allowed as investors to steal the thunder from our portfolio companies. That would be big no-no. Well, how much is that one up? Two, three, four, five X? Uh, Two two X. Great. Two X in nine months six months fantastic yeah. well you know the first three or four years take your time that's always my yeah. advice to people take your time the feedback loops are so long that's that's my biggest frustration with with investing compared to founding a company and launching a product you know next week if people are using it or not so look at tough. you 31 years old created a company sold it now an investor dave when you see somebody like 
Ryan Hoover sitting there with this much success. I'm so proud. It must it make you me. bitter. No, no, no. It Just, must make you very bitter no, at your I, own career. I barely don't want to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. You, uh, of course, created the largest failure in the history of hardware. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. the mouse. Just the under Q-cat. pets.com. And 200 million burned. 205 burned. All strategic money. All strategic money Not burned. Not a single VC in was a harmed. Huge, yeah, huge, amazing fire for the QCAT. Yep, QCAT. But then after that, I did a product with a team that was Emmy award winning. Ah. Did like you, Jackie, do, do like have, Emmy Award winning producer Jackie, who's not here Emmy? today. Here? <laughs> Zero <laughs> Emmys for J. Cal, but you're holding, yeah. of course, the uh, Blake Kokorians. Yeah, the late Blake, unfortunately. Yes. Rest in peace. Um, yeah, but Blake and Jason, two brothers, decided that they could take two computers and take the video coming off of your cable box because they were sports fans. They wanted to watch their hometown sports wherever they were in the world. And uh, Jason was, uh, and, and Blake were both doing consulting at the time. And, uh, this is the sling box. Look at all these inputs and outputs. It it's was just... brutal to set up, but once it was set up, it was pure magic because right. you could be in Tokyo or Europe, whatever. And control your TiVo or your, control your set-top TiVo. box. This is before Netflix had a streaming service. That's right. So I had DirecTV and I put a sling box on there and I have to say I was blowing people's minds because I was like, yeah, I can watch any show I want, anytime I want. Yep. And Emmy award. Without I don't know if I it mentioned this, but it was Emmy award winning. It was sure. Emmy award winning. It got bought by Echo Star, so now it's built into the Echo Star set top boxes. Yeah. And then a whole new division, which is Sling TV, came out of the impetus of what we built, um, because as you said, the content was not online. You had to put your own content online back in 2006. Uh, amazing how things have evolved. That box is now completely. Um, it's not completely obsolete because there no. there still are the uh, lack of sports in different geos. You can't uh, based on a zip I've code. I've solved that mm-hmm. one myself with I have two VPN providers, yep. and I get the NBA League Pass, and it seems to be pretty good. I was the only thing I was not able to get to work when I was in Australia was Direct TV Now. Yep. Yeah, they do GPS because they knew the VPNs. I guess they've gotten the... Oh, they block the VPNs. They block... Okay. I, they must know the IP addresses no. of the VPNs, so the VPN I had didn't work. But I think what I'm going to do is create up my own personal VPN, like set up yep. on a... Yeah, you can put a router How would I do house. that? So uh, you'd buy... Dine DNS? Um, yeah, you could do that. Uh, but you could set up a, uh, a router at home that has VPN capabilities. And um, you'd want to use a higher-end, like a, a Soho, small office, home office well, I would router. do it at my office, maybe, and then set yeah. it up. And then all my employees could use it as well, which is when they turn on their computers, they would be v- virtual private networking yep. in. Yep. And then it would look as if the computer's here. So if you wanted to That's watch right. a video, you could do it. What do but, you do when you're stealing content, Ryan? What do, what do millennials <laughs> do? Let's ask a millennial. How do millennials so, steal content today? Back I in the actually, day, we used Napster. Le- legitimately, I've, I've not pirated anything in years. And it's because I don't, don't need to anymore. I mean, I don't have enough time. Like when I was a kid, I would pirate everything. Video games, movies. Yeah. I had a modded Xbox Software. with a 200 gig hard drive with movies on it. And it was great. But now... XBMC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another another project um, that we won Best of CS with right wow. after my huge failure. Got it. XBMC yeah. was amazing. And and actually, a modded Xbox was the best home theater setup you could actually get. And you couldn't buy it. You had to, you know, either hack buy it, it semi-illegally or hack it yourself. Yeah. And it was but now everything's available. Yeah. The only thing that's yeah. frustrating is when something is not available in your region for some reason or for mm-hmm. download. Like, that's the thing I find frustrating sometimes. Like, you know we're all getting on planes or we might be in... 
you know, some place like we have Wi-Fi hotel. And that's why DirecTV Hotel now. Wi-Fi is just such a disaster. Why don't, hotels are not moving objects. This is a message to the hotel industry. High speed, high speed. Stop throttling us. That should be like the number one like decision that you make when, when getting a hotel. Is Absolutely. Like, what is the Wi-Fi? What is this? They speed? should literally, there should be a hotel chain that says 200 megabits up and down, fiber to your room. Mm-hmm. That's our selling point. And literally lead with that. All Marriott's, all St. Regis have fiber to the room. 200 megabits up and down, no caps. They would, people would go bonkers. Wouldn't they, Dave? I like it. Let's do it. Because there's an airline now that is doing the Wi-Fi is free for everybody on the flight. It might be Norwegian hmm. Air. One of them is just like, why would we charge? It's like, you know, just get on the plane and use yeah. the Wi-Fi. Who cares? I can't even use it anymore on airplanes. It's it's worthless, especially when in this Google world we live in where everything's online. Hmm. You uh, you point, click, wait, and uh, the latency is killing me on air. All right, let's get to the most insane battle that is occurring. No, not between the Republicans and the alt-right and the libtards. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I think this is how they self-address each other. Alt-right versus libtards is the is the battle of the moment. No. Tesla shorts versus Tesla's long is a much more bitter feud yep. than the Trump, anti-Trump, never Trump, pro-Trump, we're going to create a revolution uh, fight. Elon tweeted... <laughs> After he crushed the second quarter numbers, he then this week tweeted, I'm considering taking Tesla private at 420, which is obviously... Uh, What's a 20% premium? Or? A 20% premium. It just happens to be the number 420, which is flying for weed. I think that's a complete coincidence. Funding secured, period. Which, of course, launched a meme where everybody <laughs> is now, whatever statement they have, they're like, going to see Avengers Infinity War tonight, funding... Secured. It's the new meme. So I was like, getting a 15-pound brisket, a $420 brisket tonight, funding secured. Um, and the board has announced their meeting with advisors. The SEC is asking to clarify whether Musk secured the backing before publicly announcing the plan. Otherwise, it could be an investigation. Musk says he has financial backing to purchase all the shares at $420 a piece. Of course, this made the stock go up. Why... Does Elon want to take the company public, Dave? These shorts are killing him. Everyone's betting against him, but he is Tony Stark. No one should ever bet against Elon Musk, period, end all. It's such a stupid bet to make. It's like literally betting against LeBron James, isn't it? Like When you think about it, if there were three or four people, even if LeBron James has lost two out of the last three times to the worst, you still would not want to place a bet against him. It's not a logical bet to make against a high performer. Why do you think the shorts are so uh, engaged in Tesla? And what do you think they have get, they're getting wrong, Ryan? When you look at this you know, battle, how do you uh, sum it up? Yeah, I think, I think it's been kind of entertaining following Elon and all, a lot of the, in some ways, uh, comedy and drama that's been occurring here with uh, Twitter and the public markets. Um, I actually have a friend, a close friend that joined Tesla, and so I'm hearing from his side and what's happening internally with with all the ups and downs in the stock market. And part of the motivation for Elon and the team to do this is to avoid a lot of the internal kind of ups and downs that occur by being a public company. And, you know, it, there's just a lot of a lot of shorts. Um, I haven't been following the stock closely enough. I've just been following Twitter. Yeah. And that's where I'm getting my news. So, um, Should he be using Twitter the way he's using it, which is to say, 
Just like the president? I wasn't going to say <laughs> that, but somewhere between Trump and Kanye level Twitter game, yep. which is to say full Twitter. He's gone mm-hmm. full Kanye on Twitter, let's just say. I like, kind of think someone's be, using Twitter, right? Who, who else he, was using it? Exactly. We'll get to Twitter toxicity in a minute. Um, is he using Twitter the right way? So I've been thinking a lot about this. Twitter. So Twitter sounds, first off, a tweet just sounds ridiculous. Um, but, you know, world leaders and people are sharing their opinions and breaking news on this thing called Twitter. And we kind of have this expectation that Twitter isn't, is for, it's not for a serious conversation or for serious announcements. But I think it actually is. Like, what's what's the difference between a blog post and a tweet, ultimately? If, if what you're saying is true and honest and sincere, um, the number of words doesn't shouldn't matter. You know, it's not the number of words that makes something more legitimate. So in some ways, I think we need to look at Twitter as, you know, take it within the context of the tweets and everything, of course. But we need to take it seriously. And I don't know. Elon's not a stupid guy. I don't think he would tweet something like that as a joke. Or That's the thing I don't get, Dave, is people are like, oh, Elon's joking. And it's like, okay, he, he's a funny guy. He's got a unique sense of humor, and he's, he's kind of shown that to the world on Twitter over the last couple yeah. years. But why are these shorts underestimating him so consistently well, what's the after cap? losing billions? Can Austin, can you pull 60, up the, 70 billion. What, what is this going to cost, right? Oh, I think this has cost the shorts... No, no, what, what will cost him at oh, the 420th share, 70, right? It's the $70 billion, so he probably would need $30 billion. Let's say a third of shareholders okay. want to be bought out, and two-thirds want to keep their shares. And that's what I love about what he said as a follow-up. He's like, existing shareholders will be able to come in, and what he wants to do is get rid of the short game, mm-hmm. get rid of the people betting against him, and have the true yeah. believers... Own the stock yep. for the long term, yep. and for look, 10 years. You know, he's had battery issues with manufacturing there, uh, with the gigafactories. He's had issues with the plants. Um, issues with quality control, but you have the first Tesla Roadster. You have the first sedan. Yeah. Right. And then, do you have a Model Three now? I have a Model Three. I have one you of the so Founder rich. Series. I have a hundred. Yeah, you're I have really a lot rich. Yes. Right. Wow. Yes. Um, this is before all your Uber payout, too, right? Well, I had the Weblogs Inc. payout. You got to remember. That's true. Yeah. yeah. But let's not make this a referendum on my personal wealth, which is nothing compared to Elon. Brian's potential and Elon's current. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the idea that he wouldn't have funding is crazy because there's so many options SEC, out there. But there's an SEC ramification if he didn't have funding. It seems to me the great... Yeah, so he wouldn't do that. The, the, it seems to me the craziest thing uh, right now is that it is the perfect use of Twitter to allow everybody to know at the same time what the CEO is thinking. I think this is masterful. If the CEO wants to take it private and somebody offered him that deal, whether it's verbal or in print, it doesn't matter. If he believes he has the security, he tells people that this is my intent, that everybody can react to it. And he could change his mind. He's the CEO. He's the largest shareholder. So he can change his mind. When we get back, I'm going to tell you the five sources of funding that I think, without inside information, are behind this. Mm. Who, the people who want to pay the 420 when we get back. But right now, I want to just explain how amazing it is that Ryan created such a beautiful website for Product Hunt. And it took you, what, like six months to build that site? You were up and uh, running well, three to six months, get the, it up and running? No, the first started off as an email. Ah, but when yeah. you built the website, that was beautiful. Website was a couple, week or two. Week or two of building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, over the years, you've spent 
hundreds of thousands of dollars. No, it was a couple million dollars were spent perfecting Product Hunt, yeah, making millions. it great. Millions yeah. of dollars. Well, here's some news for you. For just tens of dollars, you can build a beautiful looking website like Squarespace, and I use Squarespace for everything. We use it for launch, festivalsydney.com. We use it for Angel Summit. We do it for founder.university, angel.university. If you're going to build a website, you could be like Ryan and you could hire a team and, and spend millions of dollars. But you can build an equally good-looking site today with the power of Squarespace. You can turn your cool idea into a new website. You can showcase your work, blog, or publish content. You can sell products and services of all kind. You can promote physical or online businesses like the failed QCAT. Or you could do the Slingbox. Uh, any of those things can be done with a beautiful template created by world-class designers. Powerful e-commerce functionalities now built in. So you can sell anything online. It's not just a beautiful template. It's not just a beautiful website. It's not just affordable. It's not just a custom look and feel. You can sell stuff with it. And it is optimized for mobile right out of the box. And when you buy a new domain name, you can choose from over 200 plus extensions. You know, I'm getting into my extension game is getting a little better. What's your favorite extension of mine? Mine's dot university. Anybody else got uh, one? I can't even. You don't have one? No, I'm not. What's your favorite extension right now? What are the millennials, Ryan? What are they rocking right now? You well, know, I, we were doing the dot us back in the day. Right, that was like right. delicious. Crazy. We were talking dot, about this. Dot us like, got like crazy. This is our Gen X kind of game. Yeah, but what are the millennials? Yeah. What are they up to with the dot, with the extension well, games? Anything interesting? The Gen Z are really into the dot AF. Um, I, although oh, it might uh, be going yeah. out of Is that out Afghanistan? <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't know actually what it is. But I think that's as F word. As fudge. As fudge. Yeah. So if I were to Tastes say, like if we all had like five edibles right now, but you, I know you millennials are really into these edibles and the music festivals, correct? I mean, it's legal now. It's legal now. So yeah. a lot of people are H-A-F, high <laughs> as fudge. fudge. Yeah. And you could be um, crushing it AF. Mm -hmm. what, how do I say AF in a sentence? Can you do that for me? I mean, if you want to... You Give say like dot af. Dot if, if you af. Enunciate the dot. It's even more. Even more. Gen Z. Whoa. Right. That's super Gen now, Z. Now I'm I'm I don't know. I'm an outsider in the Gen Z world. I'm a millennial, so I'm yeah. just and you can, telling you what I've seen. You could you could actually see Ryan is gonna put uh, weekend fun dot af. <laughs> I don't know. The weekend fun is af. Anyway, get on Squarespace and you get all those analytics built in search engine optimization, free and secure hosting, and of course they're award winning twenty four seven customer support check out squarespace.com for a free trial yes free trial right now it is lit af lit.af oh my god that would be the ultimate gen z somebody, domain somebody, somebody has lit.af yeah, if not hit the drop button and somebody registers that domain it's probably postmates me. i need a dot af i'm gonna get like jason.af that'd be you're somebody, so jason af <laughs> i need jason as fudge right, i'm gonna make a squarespace site look for it soon I'm make getting, it yourself i'm getting ice cream as make fudge. it stand out mm. Okay. Use the offer code TWIST and you'll save an additional 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace, it's lit AF. Go in there and go get it. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's the longest ad read I've ever heard. Well done. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm doing now with the ad reads? I'm trying to have a little bit of fun. fun. There's good jokes inside the ads. I'm trying to keep you engaged. I'm trying to be a little playful and make it memorable because Squarespace, one of our longest running uh, partners here, they make all this hardware equipment and staff. You know, we got four people working on the show full time, and then over 150,000 people download every episode now. Wow. Sometimes 250. So we're really trying to like reinvest in the show and get it out to more people. All right, when we left our heroes, that included Ryan Hoover and Dave Matthews, um, we we're talking about Elon taking Tesla private. I have no inside information, obviously, so I'm just going to put that out there first. And I don't trade public stocks. 
less the shorts, listen to this clip and clip it and then try to start a fight between me and everybody else. Like the, literally they try to cause trouble. These, these like accounts. So they're like CCing Elon, CNBC and the SEC. And they're like, Jason visited Elon for lunch at the Tesla factory. And he said, it's awesome. And they're like, that's private information. I'm like, okay, I don't trade stocks, so I can have any private information. Not that Elon's giving me any anyway. We're talking about other stuff. But um, here's what these idiot shorts don't understand. And I explain this personally to some idiot shorts. Short AF. These people are short AF, and it's dumb AF. Short dot AF. Dumb dot AF. That's there what I go. need. Dumb dot AF. Yeah, I like that. Dipshit dot AF. And I, this is my message to them. Okay, we live in a world of unconstrained capital today. Masayoshi-san, $100 billion fund. Saudis, $2 trillion sovereign wealth fund. Norway, $1 trillion sovereign wealth fund. United Arab United Emirates. Emirates. UAE? Yeah. Yep. $1 trillion or $2 trillion, I think. Um, Sequoia Growth Fund, $10 billion, I believe. I mean, there's just billions everywhere. Mm-hmm. Then let's go to the corporate side. Apple, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, 60 billion, Amazon, 250 billion, Google, billion, tens of bi- hundreds of billions, I think, tens of billions, hundreds of billions. There's billions of dollars everywhere. He, he, need o- he needs only 10, 20 billion to do, take a private. He could literally write one email and CC the 10 entities I have. I would estimate all 10 take the meeting. No, I would guarantee all 10 take the meeting. And then I would say, Half would within hours make an offer to them because Tesla is such an important piece of the future because of energy. Mm-hmm. And the Saudis and Norway, they all know the oil they have is going away. And the Saudis built up a position of 5%. Oh, oh, oh. Now we start to see what's happening. What if the Saudis just decide, screw it. Let's just give $100 billion to Elon. Let's give him $20, $30 billion to take a private, and then let's invest another $50 billion in the company. Those shorts are, I mean, what is the end game for the shorts anyway? Why would you bet against them? It's so dumb. And it was so obvious that he was going to pull this off, and so obvious he is going to pull it off. But he had such a crappy last year between quality control, factory issues, et cetera, right? He's building cars inside of tents. This is the guy, he will stop at nothing, to make the Model 3. I love it. Well, here's the other thing. The tent is a permanent tent. It's not a pop-up tent from Target. <laughs> and we're in California, where it rains like twice a decade. <laughs> and he used all the spare parts that he had, the extra stuff, to make that, whatever they call it, the fourth model line. This is, to your point, a sign that he is driven to insane levels to get the mission accomplished. It's not something that would indicate you should short the stock. The tent is not a negative. Mm-hmm. But there's, and then they, the, my favorite short negative was they sent drones over parking lots where the Teslas were. Yeah. No, where the Teslas were parked. The Model 3 is going out. And they're like, look at all these Teslas. They're factory gated. This means they must be going to be burned or something, or mm-hmm. are they going to raise all these Teslas? They're all gone the next week. But they're trying to spread fear, uncertainty, and doubt, mm. which is what Twitter was designed for, <laughs> apparently, yeah. with these anonymous accounts, which then leads us to Twitter. Twitter lost whatever. They got rid of millions of accounts. Mm-hmm. They lost 20% of their shares because mm-hmm. of it. What's your take on this? 
So gadget guy Dave Matthews. It was a bad time of the year to do this because they do house cleaning all the time. Instagram, all the social networks have rogue accounts, people that create the uh, clickbot accounts or whatever. So the fact that they did this at the same time that Facebook had uh, diminishing views, Snapchat lost millions of views, right? This summer has been bad for social. And I think the kids, now the millennials might not be doing this, but I think the kids are finally going outside to play. This is a weird theory that I have (laughs) that in the summer, people get off of the computers and they go play in things like cricks on lakes they do boating and maybe yes. some hiking. Tubing. Tubing and organs. They should have They should have never allowed all these bot and spam accounts, right, Ryan? I mean, the place is a mess. Yeah, I mean, it's inevitable that they're going to they're gonna have them, and they're always going to have to deal with them. Uh, I don't see them on Facebook. Uh, well, Facebook you... is so different, though. Facebook is so much more close. I mean, there's two, two things. I think Facebook's the dynamic is much more closed. A lot of people post privately. And so you just naturally don't run into those things nearly as much. And two, Facebook is just a much bigger company. I'm sure they're putting far more resources, a lot more sophistication to how to do Yeah, but also Facebook does not allow anonymity. Mm-hmm. True. Anonymity dro- descends all conversations into garbage. This is a known fact. Twitter has no product leadership. And they haven't for ages. They couldn't deal with offensive content. And you know what they had to do? They had to read my blog post to understand how to fix it. Have you ever seen when they blur out mm-hmm. a tweet and it says this could be offensive content? Uh, Austin, pull up that link for where I wrote that post as Jack. I wrote a post pretending I was Jack was saying... Five years ago or something, right? Yeah, it's like three or four years ago saying yeah. if people write stuff offensive... Just have like an offensive thing where it blurs it out and says, click here to see something that could be potentially offensive. He wrote to me. He's like, that's a great idea. Um, please don't write stuff as a blog post pretending to be me anymore. And I was like, yeah, whatever, Jack. I'll do what I want. Thank you for the suggestion. And so they implemented that. And we'll pull it up on the screen here. Uh, and well, Or an example of the blurred out content. Um, and now it works. You You... Don't see half as much trolling. But do you? You probably unblur it, right? Of course, I, 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 I'm not like a snowflake. Like, right, oh right. my god, Commander Snowflake, I'm gonna be like somebody's words are gonna hurt me. Mm-hmm. That's the other problem with you millennials. You all think words are gonna hurt you. Are you? Are you upset about words? Do you need a trigger warning before you come on this podcast? <laughs> no. So I want to actually address the, Ryan. the uh, identity piece. So Facebook. Yes. I've been thinking about it. as a kid. I grew up on the internet and I played a lot of video games. And mm-hmm. My parents were. They always said, don't use your real name on the internet. It's not safe. You shouldn't do that. And so I grew up with a handle and the only, even AIM at the time, like AIM is what I used to communicate with friends. And then kind of fast forward, Facebook came around and started to basically train and change our culture actually and how we communicate online. Now the default really is using your real name. And I don't think, I think there's a world for both actually, because using your real name on the internet, especially nowadays where the internet is so big. And we've seen, you know, people's identities and, and careers get ruined because they say something stupid. I think there's a world where we still need to have a pseudonym or a username. And you see it within gaming communities, but not so much in like mass social networks right now. I think Twitter having and supporting pseudonyms, I think, is a great thing and something that should exist. Um, if you go look at Reddit, a lot of the conversations in there, Reddit would not be Reddit if it had real name identities. There's actually a lot of value that comes from that. So yeah. there's pros and cons, but I think yeah. the world needs both. So here's what I wrote last time. Evolving Twitter, a message from our CEO. It's up on the screen here. Twitter is an exceptionally important platform, but it's struggling massively in the past couple of years because it can't figure out how to be an open and honest platform while controlling harassment. 
it's kind of embarrassing that Twitter can't figure this out on their own. So I figured I would redesign the product and write the memo to the user base for their CEO, Jack. You're welcome. <laughs> God, I'm obnoxious sometimes. This is back in January of 2017. On behalf of Twitter team, I'd like to wish you a happy new year, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we're now going to, we're going to allow, we're going to still allow anonymity on Twitter because we know that some voices need to be heard without revealing their identity to your report, Ryan. Um, but from now on, we're going to blur stuff. So here I just made the example of like, if you're Leslie Jones and Milo Yiannopoulos is unverified and he's saying something obnoxious, it'll just put on the screen. I don't know why it's not coming up. I just clicked on this view here. Um, unverified user click here. Did you lose my screen there? Oh, okay. Put, use my screen for a second. Oh, there we go. Boom. So you see here, Milo Yiannopoulos, unverified user, click to view tweet. So that's how I I asked somebody on Twitter to design it, and they did it for me. I have the next solution. Would you guys like to hear how Twitter mm. can solve all harassment easily? Mm -hmm. Yes. Then stick with us, because I'm going to get to that easy solution when we get back on this week in Startups. But right now, I want to tell you that Uber da -da 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 -da, is committed to moving forward and improving the rider and driver experiences. Uber has developed features in app that are improving the pickup experience. And one way they're doing it is with a bunch of new features that are designed to take the stress out of your pickup. Pickup notes in the Uber app lets you share a note with your driver on how to spot you. Like letting your driver know what color shirt you're wearing and if you're wearing a baseball hat. You can also choose a color to light up your screens, light up your phone screen. And then you hold it up. So I pick orange. I held it up. I was in uh, Los Angeles, and it was chaos at the airport. Boom. Found my driver in two seconds with my holding up that great pickup notes, and I made it orange. These are just some of the new features that Uber has been adding to the app. I also love tipping. I don't know if you have been doing tipping. And then I noticed another new feature. When you're messaging in the app without having to use SMS, which is a big innovation, when you're messaging in app, they have like little... Um, prompts. Mm -hmm. I'm coming, I'm here, coming down, whatever. I can't find you. So you don't have to type. So I'm just like, That's I'm nice. here. That's really Boom. good. And you know what? I used to do that with like shortcuts. I made my own little shortcut on my phone. Like you, you, you says I'm coming down. Please start the meter. Mm -hmm. Now you have all those things being built in and Uber is figuring out all great ways to serve everybody. They really want you to enjoy using the app. They want you to enjoy using the server and they want the drivers have a great experience as well. That's why tipping is in there now, and it's great. I've, I've been tipping a lot. I love to tip for good service. I've been giving really um, strong tips when I get good service and writing nice notes about people. If you want to understand and see this great change at Uber and what a great job they've been doing, I have to say, as an investor in the company, an early investor, I'm really proud of the work they're doing to make the product better and better. Go to uber.com slash moving forward, uber.com slash moving forward. Thank you so much to my friends at Uber for just making this service great. All right, listen. I explained one time how to fix Twitter. Let me see if you like this idea, Ryan. What if when you tweeted, there was a checkbox that said, only allow my followers to reply. And then another checkbox that said, only allow people I follow to reply. And you had the choice to click one or both. So if you're Leslie Jones or you're Ryan Hoover and you don't want trolls or you're Elon, you could just click those two boxes and those people can do it on their feed. They could retweet you. They could go, they could take a screenshot. They could start their own th thread of harassment, hate, or opinion, but they don't get to be right under yours. You could limit the discussion and we just would mark that. Hey, mm -hmm. this discussion is limited to 
people following Elon or Jason or Ryan or Gadget Guy Dave Matthews, GGDM, uh, at GGDM, follow him. Uh, what do you think of this idea, Ryan? Would you be pro this idea? I, I would love to test it. I would love to see how it plays out. I think I've seen a lot of people in my feed occasionally uh, lock their accounts, make it private or, mm-hmm. or uh, protected. And for those that don't know, what that means is only people that they follow, like mutual follows, can see your feed. And so I've seen that happen a lot, especially with some women on Twitter who receive a lot more harassment um, uh, anecdotally. And so that's an, an illustration that people want a feature like this to some extent. Uh, but on the other hand, it starts to add some complexity to the experience, even though it's optional, even though you can ignore it. Now it's a thing that people on Twitter have to think about. And Twitter was all about simplicity. It's all about, in the beginning, 140 character texts, like just characters, like very simple. So I think there's, there's probably internally at Twitter a lot of um, almost like maybe religious debates around this because Twitter started off so simple and now it's becoming a lot more complex. So I, I like the idea. I'd like to see some experimentation, see what the data shows. What are your thoughts about my idea to limit replies in a Twitter feed, yep. a Twitter thread, to only your followers and or people you follow? Does this break the openness of Twitter or does it solve the insane harassment and trolling and psych ops Let's call it what it is. People are psychologically trying to attack people. And I know I made a joke before about words being just words and you can let it roll off your back. But not everybody can do that as easily as others. And it is destroying the service for women. Women tell me universally that the amount of hate and violence they get on Twitter is insane. Black women especially, um, like Leslie Jones, uh, although I haven't talked to her, but it's pretty brutal to be on there. Wouldn't this solve the whole thing? And would you be in favor of it? So I think Twitter has failed to innovate time and time again, right? Yes. They they only added the 280 characters, what, a few months ago? Yeah, year 10. Right? Yeah, welcome to the future. So, and if you think about Facebook, what they were trying to do with making your profile open for a time a couple years ago, remember Zuck would leave posts saying, Facebook works better if we're all open and we're all out there. And they bought um, FriendFeed, which was mm-hmm. open. Friend feed was awesome. Right? Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that you see in your Facebook feed today was derived from what friend feed was doing. Got it. That's so true. So what I'm going to say is even if they took up your idea, it would be years to come. And by then it'll only be Kanye and Trump tweeting at each other on Twitter. So um, I don't see them pushing that envelope far enough, fast enough on innovation. I have a question. Uh, I think I think it was Matt Mazio that tweeted this yesterday. He said... His, his opinion was that Twitter should have copied stories sooner and earlier, just like Facebook did. Agree or disagree? I hate the idea of just copying the other person. I think Twitter is unique, and it, the fact that it doesn't use video and relies on words mm-hmm. to communicate and concise communication, I think that's the magic of it. So you got to play your own game, not copy. Now, if they did copy, I do think it could help them grow on the margins. Mm-hmm. But I think they should own the fact that they have the natural resource of powerful, important people embracing the platform and those powerful important people don't use other platforms half as much mm-hmm. or i mean elon's not on snapchat or facebook he doesn't even have a facebook page you know like facebook has never been able to get celebrities to embrace the platform snapchat has so i think you got to play your own game i do think it would help them on the margins but i don't think it's actually the lasting strategy they should do i think they mm-hmm. should figure out how to get rid of trolling and spam accounts, but because they were so concerned about Wall Street's reaction, they never took the medicine. Then they take the medicine, they get a 20% haircut. Keep taking the medicine, Jack. 
get rid of, don't worry about the stock price. Worry about, and this is why Twitter should go private as well. Build a product that's kick-ass. Just worry about the experience of the most loyal customers. And the most Mm -hmm. loyal customers are disgusted by what Twitter has turned into. That's the truth. If you're an early Twitter fan, you're just like, I deleted it off my phone because it was just too arduous to deal with. I get off of CNBC and be like, oh, you're a fat Greek. Fuck you. Sorry. Uh, Delete that. They'd be like, F you, you know, blah, 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 blah. You don't know what you're talking about. And then I would look and it would be like 20 of those messages and they're all accounts that were created in the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then I look at their feed. It's all Tesla shorts, you know, or Facebook longs who are upset at me. And I I realize, oh, it's the same three people with seven accounts each trying to get me to not talk against the companies they're shorting on CNBC, you know, like, oh, they they just don't want me to say something negative about Facebook or positive about Tesla, whatever the combination is that they disagree with. Let's but talk. this trolling was on the Yahoo stock groups too, right? I don't know if you ever followed that cesspool of humanity. Oh my God, that was terrible. I mean, that's where the Whole Food CEO was had multiple spam accounts. Yep. And then you have in basketball, the guy from the, which basketball team had the guy, with the general manager, oh, Colangelo? Yeah. I forgot his name. You can look it up, uh, Austin. There was a guy who was a general manager okay. of a basketball team this season. They caught him with multiple um, accounts, and he um, was talking about his home players. Hmm. It huh. was bonkers. And they totally screwed up Vine. That's the other thing that was unforgivable about Twitter. Why would you screw up Vine? Mm-hmm. 76ers exact accused of using fake Twitter accounts to bash players, NBA officials. So he's left. Brian I love it. Col- Colangelo. It was crazy. He was talking about his own players and criticizing them. And the ringer figured it out. Selfish punk, he called <laughs> uh, somebody, I guess. Ridiculous. All right. Hey, uh, Ryan, you were talking about Discord is launching a stream competitor. Explain to the audience what Discord is. And why yeah. this is important that they're creating a Discord is creating a stream competitor. Yeah, so Discord is it's huge. It's 150 million people use it every month, roughly, is what's reported. To do and what? It's a communication app for gamers. So primarily people on PC uh, playing video games. It's kind of like Slack. If Slack was uh, you know for gamers and, and had more open communities for people to communicate, that's what they built. And there have been a lot of platforms. I grew up in the the gaming world as a kid. I my dad owned a video game store. I was telling Dave earlier. Your dad owned like a GameStop? Yeah, basically. It was his own. It was like a GameStop, but it was called Video Games Plus in Eugene, Oregon. It's uh, RIP not around anymore, um, as you could probably Greatest childhood ever. Right. It's pretty awesome. Does that mean like the, you would be there at midnight when the games came in and I, I got to play, to play them first? all of them for free? I played at the store. I, I would work at the store and then get pizza from Pizza Hut across the street. Oh, my God. Was, what a childhood. I know. I was very privileged. Did you have the full like driving simulator that you could sit inside the car and um, had the full steering wheel no. force feedback control? So we this was back in like, what was it? PlayStation and that era and, okay. and it, before that Genesis and everything. Okay. And I don't uh, hate you as much now. Yeah, I still hate you for other reasons. <laughs> but my dad, he did almost buy a VR, like a $15,000 VR Pelican flying thing. Maybe it was 50,000. I can't remember. Anyway. Um, so discord, uh, it's, it's massive, massive, uh, platform right now. It's what a lot of gamers use to communicate and they've now just announced, uh, yesterday, I think it was, they announced a game store to compete with steam, and for those that don't know, people in, in the gaming world will know Steam very well, but it's, I think, the largest uh, PC game distribution network so out there. So if you don't put your game on Discord, you don't get access to a 
150 million gamers or some subset are gamers so yeah well it's in beta now it's gonna it would going be to release in to canada. Not, right yeah right now it's in beta in canada to 50,000 years so right now it's pretty early days but what i find super fascinating is this is a great example of a platform that is competing with a massive giant steam has been around for i think a decade plus like valve even longer and it's now competing with with this massive distribution platform by first building an audience by building awesome communication tools and now they're like sneakily inserting a store which uh i think is a really smart move it's hard it's gonna be hard to to pull off but um i think it's pretty big for the gaming industry for those that are into that space Here's some breaking news. Doug Field is returning to Apple after leaving Tesla. Here's some interesting news I've heard through the little birdie grave from Doug Field, who left Tesla in May after overseeing Model 3 production, which I guess was not going very well, and that's why Elon took it over, has returned to Apple working in Bob Mansfield's project Titan Group, which is the self-driving or car group. Apple spokesman Tom Neumer confirmed to me that Field has returned to Apple, but... Uh, nobody should fi- no one should find it surprising that he's working on Titan. Uh, Greasing the wheels before Apple buys Tesla. Well, huh. it's nice, very nice interesting. See what I did there? Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Greasing the wheels, yes, very good. They're revving the engine. Uh, it's kind of strange um, because we haven't heard a lot about the Titan project. Like they sort of grew quickly and then went dark. They said that this is not even a thing. It's not right? even they a thing. A Don't look screen. over here. Yeah, there's nothing behind this. Apple is the best purchaser of Tesla, right? That would be the most logical company to buy it. You, in your mind, Dave? If Can you, you pick another it, company that would be better? Google Waymo? Um, no, Google is too engineering, right? They they're Look at the little micro bus that they built, right? Mm-hmm. Tesla, like Apple, is sexy. Mm. Like us. Yes. <laughs> I don't know which us you're referring to. Maybe that's... Proverbially us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, is it, who would you rather see, Ryan, if you had to pick, buy Tesla? If Tesla couldn't be independent, mm-hmm. and it was Amazon, Google, Apple, yeah, those three, or Microsoft. Which one would you rather see buy it if you had to pick? I honestly don't have a good take on that. I I don't know. Not who should do it. Who would Ryan like to see own it? Who would I like to see? Yeah, who do you think would be best for the consumers? For for me personally, I'd get most excited about Apple because then I would wonder how how would it integrate with my iPhone and my Mm. MacBook and all these other things. I mean, Apple does a great job of AirPods and other things like that. So from a consumer's perspective, I think that's the most exciting, having thought about it for five seconds. But yeah. at the same time, it's I also kind of want to see them remain independent. Um, you know, we, we see these big companies in tech grow larger and larger and larger. And while I don't fault them, that's like business. That's what they're supposed to do. It's good to see competition as well. So yeah. I hope it stays independent. I've got a prediction. Go ahead. It will be Microsoft. Microsoft is really pushing the game forward with hardware these days. The Surface tablet, the latest one to $499 is an amazing product. And they will buy Tesla and reintroduce Clippy. So when you get into the car, yes. the little paper clip that used to Where help would you, you like to go? <laughs> no. Hey, I'm Clippy. Hey, everybody, it's Clippy. Would you like to take the 280 or the 101? 101's faster, but 280's got a lot of trees. God, I like trees. This might work. Oh, my God. I don't think, this Ryan, you were born before. You are born after Clippy. No, Clippy. Clippy you remember Clippy? It's Hi, it's me, Clippy. What's funny is Clippy never had a voice, but it's funny to hear you kind of <laughs> That's react. my interpretation was, of Clippy. No, Gilbert, Hi, it's Clippy, Gilbert, everybody. Gilbert, <laughs> Gilbert Godfrey did a, a version of Clippy that is YouTube-worthy. 
All right. Um, just imagine the, the Gilbert voice. Of, so it looks like you're trying to write a letter. <laughs> hey, <laughs> seems to me you're trolling Tesla shorts on Twitter. Would you like to uh, add a chart to that? Austin, can you pull up a picture of Clippy, please? I know. <laughs> this is like the perfect opportunity for the video jockey, Austin, There's to Clippy. earn yeah. his salt, oh, and he blew it. So back- the idea is for you to put those up ahead of time and surprise us and delight us, Austin. Yeah. Come on. W- Windows Are you listening 90- to the show? Windows 95 era, you could buy Microsoft Office, and Clippy hey. would, would start looking at things you were doing. It was basically a paperclip with eyes in front of a legal pad. Yeah. Look at the shadow, though. They're, I mean, so detailed. Oh, that's this is what happens 90s. when, like, somebody at Microsoft gets creative. Like, literally, this is what happens. This is, the, this is the result of it's somebody best. at Microsoft in the 90s yeah. getting creative. Like, this is a brainstorming session. Uh, what can we do that would make no sense to people that would pop up? It'd be really in fun. Word. It'd be fun. <laughs> I don't know, like, if it was, like, a character, like, I don't know, because it's, like, Word, like, maybe, like, what ties Word together? Well, Word's, like, paper, and paper is held together by staples. Let's do a staple. Well, staples kind of boring. It's painful, too. Yeah, and you got to rip it out, and, well, how about a paper clip? Oh, that's perfect. No, binder clip. No paper clip. Paper clip. Let's go paper clip. Well, remember, Melinda Gates was doing the Microsoft. Bob. uh, Bob, Hey, I'm Bob. I'm Bob. (laughs) I'm Microsoft Bob. I'm here to teach you about your computer. (laughs) I have the same voice for all of them. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's basically. Uh, hey, uh, speaking of millennials and uh, and new products, what is the SIP platform? Pull it up again. I was fascinated by this. I was watching the Sippy Sippy News here. Uh, where's that Sippy? Product Hunt. Are you competing now with uh, are you competing now with uh, Inside.com? What's going on here? We're, we're experimenting a little bit. I think oh, there's, there's a lot SIP of room. by Product Hunt. Yeah, if you click on... Oh, look, it's just number one on your own platform for the day. Wow, wow. the fix is in. Surprise. Sip News delivered daily. So you'll see, actually, on the right, you'll see kind of a GIF of how it works. Or you Whoops. can click on any of those links. So um, what I'm seeing actually, here... Actually, click on the top one there. Okay. This is this just came as I was actually uh, heading heading over here. This this news just broke. Um, uh, David Marcus is stepping down, I guess, from the board of Coin, Coinbase. Um, but yeah, we're just experimenting with news, basically curating... The cool uh, opinions and quotes and trying to keep it bite-sized. Really simple. So you swipe through it just like a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's in an app form. Mm-hmm. There's an app. It's and then who writes web. it? So it's a combination of we're basically writing some of the content and then in, uh, curating other people's tweets. Ah, and so you just do like a little cut and paste and, and you just give. Yeah. And if I click on VentureBeat, Anna Hensel there, I obviously get a link back to the story. Yep. So they get a little credit. That's very nice. It reminds yep. me of like the original Inside app. Yeah. Which... Half million people downloaded, and then one percent would less than one percent would use it every day. How do you yeah. get people to keep listening to this? Yeah, or so to keep tuned in. That's the hard part, right? Yeah, phase one has been building it and building it to a place where we think it's it's we're proud to show it off, and now it's to that point. Next up, we're working on some growth experiments, some cross promotion uh, with some other publications. Maybe cool. maybe we should talk. Well, that'd be good. Yeah, we could um, have inside just feed right into it. And yeah, you just put the inside clips in there. Get a nice email, like subscribe. You want to get more inside content? Just tap right I like here. It. So it's good. there's a lot of stuff we're experimenting with. This is one of them. There's, it's there's sort of another like, app a few years ago that did brief news bits as well that never got its traction. So it's, a, it's, I think a, it's clean. It works in China. There's like a couple. There's a Chinese startup that I forgot the name of it. Uh, Austin will remember. And there's a Japanese one that just bought Quartz. So um, wow. QZ got bought. QZ got bought for like $100 million by this Tokyo-based news company. Uh, Quartz acquired by Uza Base. Uh, and... 
they, uh, which is incredible because this was a spin out of the Atlantic, and the Atlantic was bought by a hundred for a hundred million by David Bradley, who's a friend of mine who's an investor at Inside. They spun this out, and then all of a sudden, it, this gets bought. So one of their like little projects, Quartz, wow. got bought by Newspix, is the name of that software. Newspix is, I guess, very similar to what you're doing with SIP. It's just short news. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess they have big plans for it. But I'm supposed to meet this guy, Uzabase, because my book, Angel, is sold out. Ta-da-da-da-da. Sold out. Amazing. In Japan. Really? And they're printing another 15,000, and I'll be in Japan from the 14th to the 21st. Um, and I'll, uh, yeah, be able to see you all there. If Translated? Japanese. They translated into Japanese. They yeah. became the number one business book, I understand, on Amazon for a little bit, which is great. Nice. And they sold out. So now I'm going to go there for a week and uh, meet with everybody. Did they rename it? Because Angel probably means something we'll different. We'll pull it up in a second. I think it's, if you just type in Amazon Calacanis Japan or Amazon Japan Calacanis, you'll get a link to it pretty easily. So you're literally um, big in Japan. That's the kind of goof. Yeah, that's the joke. I also actually was going to tell you some stuff about what's going on at Inside, and somebody was printed out some notes. Oh, here we go. I got it right here. Thank you. A um, couple of quick housekeeping updates as we wrap up here. One is that LaunchScale is coming October 10th and 11th in San Francisco. You can go to launchscale.net slash tickets. You can pull that up on the screen if you want. Launchscale.net slash tickets. Founder passes are? How much, Ryan? Free. Free. Correct. We give away free tickets to our events. 1,000 have been uh, snapped up or so, and we're going to give a couple hundred more away. You can also buy a virtual pass if you want to watch it from home. There's a summit pass, which gives you classroom seating, breakfast, and lunch, or the VIP pass, the coveted VIP pass, which both of you are getting from me free. VIP pass, which gets you all those perks of classroom seating, breakfast, and lunch, but also you get to come to dinner with me and the team. So that's fun. Um... And we're looking for speakers to talk about growth techniques on the website. If you go to launchscale.net, you will be able to go to the speakers page and submit your speaker uh, yourself. Uh, But just so you know, the reason our events don't suck is we require a rehearsal or two. And your deck has to be done two weeks in advance of the event. And we give the decks to all the attendees so they can reference it. And you cannot talk about yourself. You can only... You're not like supposed to promote. You're supposed to share knowledge. So no promotion from the stage or selling from the stage unless you're a partner. If you're a partner, of course, you can get up there and sell your solution to them. And we'll give you eight minutes for that, but you pay for that. So that's why if you're going to apply and you want to talk about yourself and be selfish and not do any work or be on a panel, no. But if you want to do work, then I encourage you to. We pick probably one out of 50 people who apply to become speakers, but you got to put the work in. And if you do, it, it's worth it because then we, we might even put you in an episode of This Week in Startups if it's a good talk. Um, a lot of people had questions for me about uh, why we're raising money for Seedinvest. Oh, ri- raising money for Inside.com from Seedinvest. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have been following that. Or yeah, I see the, the newsletters are great. Austin, well done. Nicely curated. The, um, the uh, solicitation for investment at the bottom is a little, you know, I'm not used to seeing that. I know. It's weird, right? Yeah, but so it's you're, cool. I like you're reading the newsletter, yeah. and we invited our readers. Wow, I've that always was, That was under $2 million yesterday, wasn't it? I thought it was. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. But. Ah, that includes my syndicate now. Oh, okay. Yeah, so to explain what we did and why we did it, Inside.com, I feel uh, very um, optimistic I mean, nothing is uh, guaranteed in this life, but I feel optimistic about the business because we started to hit fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a month in revenue um, this year, 
And we went from 10,000 to 700,000 subscribers in two years, which nice. is pretty great. And I thought, I'm going to put another $250,000 of my own money into the business. So I would like to allow the readers to participate. So we set a valuation of um, 15 million. Is that right, Austin? A $15 million cap, which is a good deal. And I said, I'm putting 250 in. If you want to join us, go ahead and go to uh, seedinvest.com slash inside. And you can, if you want to participate or not, or ask questions. And, um, you know, our, the roadmap is maybe to launch another 30 newsletters, maybe do some growth uh, experiments and try to get from like this organic solid growth to maybe really faster growth, uh, and get the premium subscriptions going. Uh, we have a really good CMS for doing email newsletters. And so it, it's going well. And I wanted the readers to be able to participate because I believe that the future of fundraising, which I learned from AngelList, you know, syndicates were one thing, but those are accredited investors. What about the people who are just reading the newsletter who are not yet accredited? Well, you can with, uh, seed invest do this, um, regulation D I guess, or regulation CF, um, and that's what the SEC, just to explain that, the, the Securities and Exchange Commission has allowed people to invest that aren't accredited investors, right? Correct. It's, uh, yeah. High and risk, they, but uh, yeah. small amounts of money. So. $1,000 minimum, you know, if you lose your money on it, like if you compare it to like betting on sports, which is going to be legal or playing poker or games of skill, which is legal or, you know, playing in a poker tournament, maybe your chances are better here or worse. I'm not sure exactly. It depends on how good a poker player you are. But I like the idea of people being able to do what they want with their own capital and, and place bets and be involved in it. So for me, it's an mm -hmm. experiment. If this works and we can get from, you know, our 70,000 a month in revenue to, and we 10 X that and we get to 700,000 a month in revenue, we start hitting like a $10 million a year run rate. I would like to continue to offer the investing to our readers, not mm -hmm. just to high net worth individuals. So I think it's kind of a big deal. Um, and if you want to learn more about it, go to seedinvest.com. I think there's a couple more days you could be, yeah, maybe seven more days. And we've raised 2.65 and I think there's 340K left. Anyway, if you have any questions about that, you can email austin at inside.com. He's the president of the organization. He runs everything day to day. Austin at inside.com. The best thing about that is the money gets wired in as it comes in. And um, I raised two and a half million for New Air. And you have to sit there and like, when's the wire coming? Well, it has to go through corporate counsel. No, in this or, case, I think yeah. it does have, you do have to wait for it to all okay. come in at once. They do it as a group. Okay. All right. Um, but but that will be the, I think in the future, that will be the funding of the future, which is you'll set a, when you were doing product hunt, you could say mm -hmm. product hunt valuation is... I'm going to calculate every month our valuation based on 10 times revenue mm -hmm. or I'm going to make two calculations, 10 times our top line revenue and $1 per unique visitor per month, mm -hmm. right? So you have 5 million unique visitors or maybe make it $5 per unique visitor per month. So you have 5 mm -hmm. million unique visitors, you, you value the company at 25 million and you had, I don't know. A million dollars in revenue, you know, that's 10 million, 10 mm -hmm. times, or 20 times top line, right? It's a million, so it's 20 million. I'm going to take the average of those two numbers and make that our floating valuation. Mm -hmm. And you can buy shares at the floating valuation, or we'll, well, even better, we'll average it trailing six months, and mm -hmm. you can buy shares in that anytime you want. So it's not public, but you can apply, and then you'll maybe every 90 days, you know, on a private company, settle these shares, which is, I think, what Elon wants to do. With Tesla at SpaceX, I think every six mm. months or so, they allow people to buy and sell the shares. Mm. So if you want to buy them, 
and you're an existing shareholder, you can buy some. And if people want to sell, they can sell them. And I think they just approve the transactions between. And I think maybe SpaceX might even have the right. I would assume. I don't know this. They have the right to buy them first if mm-hmm. they want to as a company. But wouldn't that have been interesting if Product Hunt, because you were so popular, if you could say to the Product Hunt mavens, like those top twenty mm-hmm. percent, if you want to invest. And you're participating, you could invest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did you ever we, think about we it? We couldn't or? have actually done it because the, the regulation didn't change. I think it was a couple of years ago is when it changed. So we couldn't have done what you're doing here right now. No. Um, but we did think about not fundraising, but actually building product hunt with the community. We thought about in the very beginning open sourcing it before we had any money to pay anyone. So smart. And yeah. I did not for the software. Go that yeah. yeah, the software, but it was too risky. That's what XBMC did, the media center. And yeah. then it went private with Plex and Boxy. Right, so um, why would somebody use this Plex server? I, I was looking at it the other day, and I like to buy stuff, but I'm like, what do, what do I need this for? Why yes. do I need Plex? Yeah, so Plex is adding more streaming services now, but what it started as is a lightweight client that ran in your smart TV, and then a little server that you can run on a, a, um, a, a software network box, right? Your a little, NAS, a network NAS. attached storage. Yeah, right. and um, the client acts as the host on that box, and mm-hmm. then the TV client acts as the decoder. So it's cool. I'm a lifetime subscriber to it. So I bought a, an all-in pass or whatever. Can you, mm. if you own DVDs, can you put those DVDs into it and rip them so you if you can. own them? Yeah, there's an app called Handbrake, which rips DVDs. It's uh-huh. not so easy because there's CSS, which is the content scrambling system. Ah. But you can do it. Um, See, I would like to do that because I have all these old DVDs or Blu-rays. Yeah. I don't want to have physical copies of them, but I would... I guess you could pay and buy the movie on Apple and have it on iTunes. You can, iTunes. but then you have to buy it again. So what's cool with Blu-ray is they have the ability to type in a code that when you buy a Blu-ray DVD, uh-huh. you can get a digital copy of it as well. And you can assign that to... A Plex server? An, another, so Plex, I don't think, has put the middleware in for that yet. Mm. But they continue to innovate. And Plex just added podcasts last week as well. Ah. Mm. So really what I was... I hear they'll be big. Yeah, they're they're. Uh, I'm, podcasts. I'm thinking about this podcast thing could yeah. be big. I'm thinking about <laughs> doing a few thousand of them. I don't know, um, but what's cool about Plex is, or what's fortunate about Plex is, they continue to keep adding streaming services on it. When XBMC was really about the ripped content on the Xbox mm-hmm. hard drive, and Boxy we sold to um, Samsung, and Samsung ended up shelving the product years yeah. ago. So Plex continues to take the roots of XBMC, which is now. Um, what they rename it to, I totally spaced on it. The, I remember. Uh, um, XBMC is still alive with kicking myself now for not knowing this. Uh, but you um, you get a much more polished experience with Plex. They even I, have a DVR for it now for TV. Yeah, DirecTV mm-hmm. added the uh, DVR functionality. Yeah, I've been a DirecTV Now user for a year. Um, you love I'm, it? I don't. I love it. I get uh, streaming it's... hiccups on it. Oh, because you're using it in a browser window. No, I'm doing it on an iPad or. Oh, my Apple iPad, TV. it works really well. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'm, I have one problem. I'm, I hit my overages the last two months at home, so mm. I think leaving CNBC on, and yeah. I got a 4K TV, and so we're doing Netflix. I think I'm like, you know, if my daughters you watch. Have Comcast, do you have that limit? I have the Comcast oh. limit. God, I hate Comcast. These jerks. It's just a, this is a message to Comcast. Really. Yeah. Like everybody hates you. Just stop with the overages. It's yeah. nonsense. Yeah, but look, ca- um, like I, I have, I had literally Comcast is so annoying that the second I get another option, I'm going to go with it yeah, because five well, G. The networks are launching now. Honestly, like, why a- would you AT&T, taunt your customers? 
an AT and T tablet. They're, the networks are literally coming on as test environments now. Motorola just shipped a phone that's five. Okay, well, compatible. tell us what that will look like in the world. I'll, so, I have Verizon Unlimited. So, are you yep. saying at home I'll have a hotspot yep. and I'll use that to watch 4K Netflix? Right. Yep, you will. And then the best thing about 5G networks is right now with the cellular networks, you have to render the page, click on the item, and then it sends it back to the servers. There's a lot of latency there. With 5G networks, you'll have fiber-like latency. So very, very, over, very... Over wireless. Over wireless, yeah. They've really figured out... What happens to Comcast in this? Because It goes was, away. You don't need it anymore. You'll have... Wow. Uh, additionally, you'll have higher tower density as well. So there'll be more towers per a city. Wow. And we'll all just be bopping back to that tower nearby. And AT&T, if you're an unlimited AT&T subscriber today, you get DirecTV Now lightweight, a, a package that's normally $15. You get that included as well. What? So AT&T is going to get rid of all this traditional infrastructure they've built, and everything's going to be 5G. So, Do you know millennials, hmm. um, uh, Ryan, who don't have Comcast at home and use their AT&T or Verizon Unlimited as their... As their internet connection? Yeah. Uh, I don't. No. Yeah. I think too, too many people are scared of going over their limits, their bandwidth. But they have some so. unlimited, right? Don't, Verizon yeah, is unlimited Everybody came now. back with unlimited plans. Yeah, because it was getting too arduous. Yep. I just think like Comcast really like, and then what Comcast does is they're like, you're about to go over your limit. And then like everybody who's surfing the web in the house is getting this like scary message. It's so mm -hmm. annoying, Comcast. Honestly... This is a message to the CEO of Comcast. People don't like you. And they're going to like you a lot more for haranguing them for going over their limit, which costs you nothing. So instead of taunting and creating bad will with your customers, Comcast CEO, please treat us with delight. And who cares if we go a little bit over? Stop annoying everybody in the house with this goddamn pop-up that you're going over your limit and you give us two for free. You're disconnected from the reality. Everybody hates you and you're building up ill will and we're all going to run for the hills. Have your children cried from that pop-up message? They haven't, but you know, then like everyone's like, oh, what's wrong with the internet? We're getting these pop-up messages. We're over, and I'm like, okay, now I got to go into dr Dropcam or Nest, put all the Nest cams down to medium or low mm. in terms of bandwidth consumption. So then we're... Then, you know, the nanny comes like, oh, something wrong. I can't, I can, it's all blurred out. I can't see the kids in the room. And I'm like, oh no, I had to put it on low. I'm going to go back and put it on high at the first of the month. Oh, I'm like, now I'm futzing with Netflix. You're an IT manager at your own house. You can't <laughs> get away from like this. I'm literally like in the Netflix settings, like how do I downgrade uh, Netflix for the last five days of the month? And then they make it like $10. They make it super punitive. So at least when I was a kid, I had... God had, damn it, Comcast. When I was a kid, I had dial-up, and then we upgraded. I, I put upgraded in quotes to direct way, which was satellite internet. Mm. And what they don't tell you in the very, very fine print is that you can only download, I think at the time it was 140 megabytes per every four hours. So if you wanted to, as little Ryan would do, download a movie or a game, you'd immediately hit that, and then they throttle you down to one kilobyte a second. And so and things you have are 22,300 miles of space between your <laughs> ground station and the satellite. Yeah. And it has to go up, which is latency, and then back down to Colorado where their switching center is. Yeah. So like oh it's my StarCraft satellite game was, was weak impossible. for that reason. My latency was way too high. I was terrible at StarCraft. Um, but so Comcast may not be the best, but at least it's not direct way. So we got that. Yeah. Mm. But 5G, I'm really excited for. It can't come soon enough. Um, I want unfettered broadband everywhere, just like me.
unfettered. All right, everybody, we're going to get back in just a second and talk about the bike sharing scooter insanity. We had some incredible photos to show you of these things as scrap heaps. I was in L.A. and people were raging. Oldsters, not new young people, but oldsters, over 50 crowd. The things they said about bird scooters and the littering of them, I'm going to tell you. And I have some stories about what's happening with bird scooters that you're not going to believe after this quick break. And let me just tell you something. I am addicted to LinkedIn. I love this product. And most people don't know. Oh, sure. You got LinkedIn jobs. Oh, sure. You can put your profile up there. Oh, sure. You can rate each other's skills. You can share. Now you get the feed. All these incredible features they've added. And they made the service so fast. Remember when LinkedIn wasn't, didn't have the feed and it wasn't so fast? They just re-architected everything and it's lightning fast. But what people don't know is you can use LinkedIn for marketing. When you advertise on LinkedIn, which is the world's largest professional network, you can build long-term relationships with important customers. I am looking to reach social media managers, let's say. Well, I just did a search for social media manager. 8.9 million results. Social media manager at art.net. Pull up my computer. Social media and communications consultant, San Francisco. Google doing social media, social media at O'Reilly Media, social media manager at Box. How do these sound? Social media at Google, uh, social media manager, copyright and content strategist. I've got 10 shared connections with that person, a freelancer. You've got all these incredible titles. Well, did you know that you can market to people right down to their job title or even their company name and their industry? So you can look for people with social media in their job title. Or you can look for people at social media at Google and Amazon and other famous companies. Or you can say, I want social media people in the entertainment industry. Or I want them in the enterprise computing industry. And you can target them with your products or services. And this will build more trust and it will get you to those really high quality leads. Four out of five customers on LinkedIn are decision makers, including the three of us. So you're building relationships that matter. And this is the crazy call to action. I can't believe this. It's the most generous thing I've seen in a long time. LinkedIn.com slash This Week in Startups. Go ahead, type it in. LinkedIn.com slash This Week in Startups. You can pull up my screen and see all those social media managers, or you can pull up Austin's screen, and you will see what happens when you go to LinkedIn.com slash This Week in Startups. If you go to LinkedIn.com slash This Week in Startups, you can do this too, Ryan. I see Ryan is typing away. LinkedIn.com slash This Week in Startups. You're going to get a $100 credit and ad credit to launch your first campaign. So you can get $100. If you made it to this point in the program, you get $100 for free from LinkedIn. Welcome podcast listeners. You just type in your email. Look at that. Austin is taking advantage of it right now. He's typing in Austin and Inside. Claim my $100 credit. Boom. A hundy from your pals at LinkedIn and This Week in Startups. Cal has gotten you a hundy for getting this far. All right, real quick, let's round up with the most loved and hated product in the world today, scooters. Are you rocking a scooter, Ryan? What are you doing here? I, so well, how I, do you I get around town? To admit, I've never actually ridden uh, a bird or yes. lime scooter or any of those. I haven't yet. But so I, when this came up at the Millennial Star Chamber meeting, what happened? Were they just like, shame, shame, and they rang the bell? Yeah. I, so I see both sides. One, I think it's great in that, you know, if you need to travel a mile and there's a scooter right there and you can, you know, save on gas, it's super efficient. It'll save you time. 
Uh, on the other side, though, I, there's actually a, a former coworker of mine. She's a dog, and she was walking the sidewalk, <gasps> and the dog almost got ran over by a scooter because some idiot is just cruising on the sidewalk with without regard. This is the big so problem. But we're looking at pictures here. Look at this Shanghai in China. shared this bikes stored and piled high in the Fujian province of China in 2017. Um, All these bikes were built. This just shows you the manufacturing prowess of China. And these were all loved China at one time. stole all of our manufacturing, but we're taking it back. Tariffs, not necessarily a bad thing. Gadget guy, Dave Matthews, is going to be my new... Look at this. Rainbow color. Secretary of Hardware. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it looks like thousands of them. But this has to go with when you have billions of people in the country. So I don't know if these are necessarily a bad thing when you see these all piled up like this. It is disgusting, and it looks like we're destroying the planet. Um, but even in Dallas, Texas, they had thousands of bikes going to the recycling heaps. They said that they thought 20,000 OFO bikes were dropped in Dallas. And that company, they were valued, uh, or sorry, they raised OFO. OFO. 866 million raised. What happened with the 866 million? They, um, the, the, they haven't sold yet, but they're trying to sell, just like liquidate. But they pulled out of the Dallas market, so all these bikes are left there. Even their distributor was trying to sell the bikes for 50 bucks a bike, which is, they said, 30% below what OFO was paying for these bikes. And they can't sell them. They can't sell them. Too many bikes in the world. Crazy. I was in LA. I was in Malibu. I, had a, I went to a couple of dinners. And of course, this keeps coming up, the bird stuff specifically. Bird launched in LA. Former executives from Uber, Lyft. Yammer. The guy who's the CEO, TK, another TK, uh, came from Yammer. And David Sachs was an investor. People from Venice were so upset they said that there's a movement in Venice where the people who live in Venice, anytime it's left in front of their property, they take them, they break them on purpose and throw them mm. into their garbage bins or other people's garbage bins. So now, I don't know how widespread this is, but I've heard it multiple times that citizens are taking action against these. What do you think this says about the future opportunity of these scooters and the strategy of Better to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. Gadget guy, Dave Matthews. Yeah, so what Jason means by that is these companies did not have operating agreements with the cities. They just dropped them all over the streets. San Francisco had a $100 a day fine per scooter that was left here. They're putting together a program where up to 2,500 scooters can be dropped in all over the streets if you are one of three selected companies um, to enable this. Before that, there were city bikes. There are Ford bikes. New York has city bike. That mm. company went bankrupt. Um, Ford bikes are all over San Francisco, but they use docking stations, so you have to put them in a certain place. When I lived in Seattle last year, there were four different bike share companies. It's very windy in Seattle, and the bikes would be littering the streets. Because they blow over. They blow over. Um, what, is there a solution? No. This first, uh, first six months of the year, I lived in uh, Los Angeles, lived in Santa Monica, and then Venice. The bikes, I'm sorry, the scooters were sprawled out in front of uh, doorsteps. The, um, you'd go to rent one via the app, and they would be inside of garages. They'd be on people's balconies, porches. People were hoarding them like <laughs> they did in France with the bike share company that went out of business there as well. How would it mean hoarding? They would take them and not let other people use exactly. them? Exactly. They'd either hoard them. Hmm. And then in France, the payment per ride was so inexpensive that it was cheaper to just keep it overnight in your garage mm. or your flat rather than put it out on the street for the community to use. How does so, this change, Ryan, 
the move fast, break things culture of San Francisco and startups. Do you think this is yeah. the end of the line for it? Do you think the public is had enough, or do you think it's just uh, an adjustment? Look at all those dead birds. I think the the solution is self driving scooters, and I kind of half joke. Uh, because there is actually a company working on this. Of course there is. I mean, n- come up with any idea. There's some company working on it. But I, that's one solution. I think technology, it's never perfect when it first launches. But people start realizing, oh, these are the issues that, that we didn't realize. And yeah, there's pr- pretty obvious issues like before launching. It's not like they had to launch to not see these issues coming. But this is how technology works. You know, It's never perfect. Issues happen. People fix them. Um, I don't know. I'm hopeful for it long term. I think this can actually transform how we commute, how we commute uh, short term, and just better for the environment. Reduce the streets. Like, it's why do we need this giant two, three thousand dollar pound like piece of steel to yeah. move? Usually, it's just yeah. There you go. Scoopy. There it. it is on Product Hunt. Yeah, that's an actual driving dockless. An actual video of a real human. <laughs> oh, so it scoots. It, it, it'll self drive after you get off. Yeah, exactly. And then park itself and yeah. charge itself. That's yeah. what it should do. Yeah. Now, years ago, there was a car company that would do this as well. It would kind of stack itself like a shopping cart. So you'd have hordes of cars that would go in. And this is what Elon Elon wants to do as well with the Teslas. He says you'll be able to make money. And your Tesla while you're Yeah, you go to dinner. You go to dinner. You you get dropped off by your Tesla. Then your Model 3 goes and is an Uber. Hopefully, nobody pukes in it. And then uh, when you're ready, you call it back. You tell it what time you want it back, and you're done. Mm -hmm. Or it could just drop you off and then go park itself back in your house and then come back and pick you up mm-hmm. just, last, like, just like link in zelda i don't know if you played any of the zelda games but i, I got is a nintendo ds game uh well nintendo uh back platform. in the day yeah yeah oh yeah, she had a sled or something that would pick well, her link, up link had this little is zelda he or she it's it's a he so he. link uh, sorry zelda is the princess and then link is the the main character the he ah. and so you'd have a flute and it'd be like i'm not gonna do the noise but you do a flute if and you could, that'd be really I, <laughs> no i'm not gonna you have a flute and you go what it's a flute and you and do goes, a little, little what do you, noise you go, and the noise happens. and the noise is <laughs> i don't even remember <laughs> something like that <laughs> And then your horse comes out of nowhere. So basically the things in video games, the things that we you know, virtualize are the things yes. that will happen in the future in real life. Amazing. Absolutely. You can beta test them there. Yeah. All right, listen, it's been an amazing episode. There's an easy solution, by the way, to this scooter problem. Does it blur out the scooters? No, you just, if somebody is riding it on the sidewalk, they need to get a $500 fine. Yeah. It has to be wildly punitive. This, I am fine with the scooters. You cannot ride them on the street. Mm-hmm. And I literally have seen the 10 times I've seen these or 20 times I've seen them. I've probably seen them 20 times. 17 of the 20 times the people were on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And I almost got run down by three of them going across the crosswalk because they were being operated by old people who have never been on one. They look like idiots. They look like dorks. You know, if you're over 40 and you're on one of these things, you would by default look like an idiot. You got uh, nine years left, Ryan. Oh, nothing to see here. You look like a dork. It's completely age inappropriate. Like I see these like fifty year old guys with their like tie flapping in the wind <laughs> over their shoulder. Their, I'm just on like their age boards, in a, Yeah, I'm like it's kind of age inappropriate, I, ridiculous. For my forty, but a booster board, birthday, I'm I bought cool a booster with. board. I'm cool I with a booster that. board because you're in the street and you're kind of like holding on to your youth. Fine. Yeah. You, once you take that giant sled and you put it on the sidewalk, no, they have to give. If you're on the street, you get a five hundred dollar fine, and Bird should also get a $500 fine for you riding it on the street, and they should cancel your account. One and done. You ride it on the street, you lose your Bird account, 
or it's you're suspended for 30 days. And Bird should do this voluntarily. If you ride it on the street, you get a 30-day timeout. If you do it a second time, you get a thing, and you get fined, and they confiscate it. So they should just send police out and just answer that issue. That all of the birds need to have little nests where they okay. draw on the street a square. Yep. And it's your responsibility to drop it off in the square. And if you don't drop it off in the square, you get banned and from the account. And that's the city bike model, which when I lived in New York, you could never find a docking station that wasn't full or um, the ones that were out of order. And then you lived in New York in 99, 2000. Yeah. Remember the Razor scooters? when that of was Of course. The that was another thing when it was like, come on, Plowing guys. people down. In New York City. Well, that was the super agent appropriate thing. All these guys on Wall Street were like, yeah, I got to raise a scooter. I zip, zip, zip. And it was just like, they're like all falling and breaking there. Like, if you're, yeah, oh my God. <laughs> the hoverboard. Totally forgot about hoverboard. <laughs> wow. Austin, Austin you just great. saved the day. Here is, a, this is the greatest gift in history. It's a DeLorean. There's so many things And here. a guy with a selfie stick with a virtual reality headset on, on a hoverboard, <laughs> wiping out next to well, his, his skateboard drone. and his drone is videotaping him. <laughs> oh my God, this is awesome. Hey, if I only a... he had a bottle of La Croix in his hand. Oh my gosh. If he had the key lime La Croix, which by the way is the greatest flavor of La Croix ever. Mm, and by a... the way, this is a message to La Croix. I am pimping this stuff out incessantly on my podcast. If I don't get a sponsorship from you in the next 30 days, Pronunciation of Lacroix. Yeah, you're trolling me now with your search terms. Well done. <laughs> I say Lacroix, like the French might say it. La Croix. Oh, really? It's there. La the Croix. company even explained. Wait, hold on a second. The problem is everyone's pronouncing the brand name wrong. Lacroix is pronounced La Croix, not La Croix, or La Croix, like French might say it. The company even explains on its website the name is pronounced La Croix, which is how you pronounce it, correct? And it yeah, rhymes with Enjoy. With, that rhymes with enjoy. La Croix, enjoy. <laughs> that is ridiculous. It is not La Croix. The company that makes this is incorrect. <laughs> it's La Croix. You should say it with a French accent, La Croix. Well, it's almost more appropriate that's La Croix, considering it was in the made in the Midwest. So it, it almost feels wrong to call it La Croix. Uh, it's cultural appropriation. Yeah. yeah and I am sense. not going to stand for it. Hey, before we wrap the show, I have a confession. That video that Austin just showed, I might have taken my 75 Mini. I have an original Mini, a tiny one. You have one of those? Yeah, it's outside. We can go for oh a ride in it. It's God. like a clown car. It's beautiful. I might have taken that car down the windy road, which is at Twin Peaks, where the TV yeah. tower is. The famous windy road in San Francisco that like every, Lombard, every yeah. car commercial. Lombard every, Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, not Lombard. Lombard's a zigzag. This is at Twin Peaks. There's another curve, a big swooping curve, where uh, all the car commercials shoot the beauty shots of the uh, new car. I might have, I totally did this. I set up my drone to auto follow my car. <gasps> and um, it's so oh cool. My God. I have the new drone that's the size of the sling box here. It's like a hand sized one. You can draw a box around an object. I boxed my car and I drove down the windy road. I have the most amazing footage that I shot yesterday. All right. Wow. It's let's, ridiculous. All right, let's get that video. All We're right, going to cut it in. Go to the This Week in Startups channel and we'll do we have to blur out your face because it's a friend of a friend who you know who's not you. Yeah. Someone yeah. that's not me. Not yeah, I have no idea Swim. who did this. Someone who's not I me. I totally did this. All right. Omarosa <laughs> is trending on Twitter. We don't know why. Who cares? Uh, who cares? And um, if you like the show, Thank you.
<laughs> Thank you. That's it. I'm not going to no. beg you for reviews. No. It's ridiculous. Smash the thumbs up. Yeah, yeah hit, the hit thumbs that like. Smash it. Get a smash get a follow it. here, please. Where do I click on my on my touch screen? We'll see you all next time. Bye bye. Thank you, Gadget Guy Dave Matthews and Ryan Hoover from Product Hunt. Goodbye.